Greetings in the name of our risen Lord this morning. Matthew's account of the resurrection goes like this. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Jesus isn't dead this morning. He wasn't dead that first Easter morning. And he lives forevermore. Now the message this morning probably isn't going to be your typical Easter message. But it's still all about Easter. If I would ask you, why did Christ come? What would you tell me? So I'm going to ask you, why did Christ come? And you can answer that if you have an answer. Why did Christ come? Okay. That's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay. God loved All right. Okay. All right. Now I have a reason for asking that question, okay? Because I heard a quote one time that said why Christ came. And it's correct, but it's incomplete. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7 for just a little bit. Because this is the picture of life as it would come from this quote. Starting in verse 14, and some of this gets a little difficult to read because of the struggle that this is a picture of. For we know, verse 14 of chapter 7 of Romans, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do... I allow not. 
For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. So do you see the conflict? I want to do something, I want to do right, but I don't do it. I want to not do wrong, but I do it. That's the picture that's, that's put out here. Verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I'm going to stop reading there for now. So it's a wretched picture of a man that wants to do right, can't do it. Wants to avoid the wrong, does it. Today, man tries to make himself better. I just need to try a little harder. I need to put forth more effort. And then I can overcome my problem. So that brings me to the quote that, and I don't remember if I heard it or read it, but the quote was this. Christ came to make a bad man better. Now, after I got here this morning, I recognized that some of you might have heard at least a version of what I'm going to share this morning. Uh, but anyhow, that, be that as it may. So I'm going to offer this. Yes, Christ came, and the benefits of what Christ came for make us better. But that's not complete. I would like to offer to you this morning that Christ came to give a dead man life. Christ came to give a blind man his sight. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in doing that, that bad man does become better. But it's not a reformation, it's a transformation. It's not just getting better and better, it's a change because of the experience, because of the application of the sacrifice of Christ on my life that, that changes me. want to read just a number of scriptures that I have printed out here this morning. Luke 4.18 says, and this is Christ reading, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's, he's reading a quote from Isaiah, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Christ was reading a prophecy about himself from the Old Testament, and he said, It's being fulfilled today. I came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And it's not so much a physical um, captivity, a blindness, a, a, an oppression. It's a... Brother um, Joe in his prayer this morning said that God allows death in the life of young people. He didn't just say that, but in his prayer he was talking, referring to that. There's still deliverance, there's healing as we experience those things. Christ came to give a dead man life. Now continuing on in Romans chapter 7, after the question there, O wretched man who that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans 7.25 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a deliverance from the wretchedness of the death. A life without Christ through Jesus Christ. Verse, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the spirit... For the, I'm sorry, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, pointing back to chapter 7, I tried, I can't do it, and so forth. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law or the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall make you alive by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And then if you drop on down there to verse 16 and 17, some verses that I really like where it talks about the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God as we have allowed God to 
come and cleanse our life through Jesus Christ. Then we are God's children. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are dependent on God this morning. As those dependent children, we are heirs of God. Now, I asked our home congregation one time, I said, which one of those was willing to share their inheritance with me? And I didn't get any takers. But you know, Jesus is willing, Jesus wants to share his inheritance with you and I this morning on an equal basis, and that inheritance is way better than any inheritance that you could offer me or that I could offer you, because it's out of this world. Nothing here can be compared to the inheritance that Christ wants to share with you and I this morning. Another thing that influenced this message was the song, Amazing Grace. The writer of that says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Does that sound like Romans 7, 24? I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Christ came to give a dead man life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Ephesians 2, verse 1. I'm just going to go through a number of Bible verses here on this point. Ephesians 2, 1, and you hath he quickened, or you hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. 1 John 5, 12, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Romans 3, 3.20. Uh, I'm sorry. I want to go to Ezekiel 11.19. I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of your flesh, and will give you a heart of flesh. It's going to change our heart. That was the purpose of Christ coming. John 3.16 was quoted here a little bit ago. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That was the message to Nicodemus when Nicodemus said, what do I need to do to obtain eternal life? Jesus' words were simple. You've got to be born again. Now how did that happen? Through the blood of Christ. But the blood of Christ didn't keep Christ in the grave. We live today by the power of the resurrection. John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Romans 6.22, But now being made free from sin 
and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Psalm 51, at least part of it. The psalmist, we've talked about him in Sunday school and his relationship with Christ. The beginning of it says this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin, for I have acknowledged my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. And then you drop down to verse 7, and it says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A couple of verses from John chapter 6. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Talking about Christ. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh, talking about his suffering and death, which I will give for the life of the world. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Colossians chapter 3, number of verses here. morning as we celebrate the resurrection and this starts out if ye then be risen with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affection on things above not on things on the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory that life that begins now because of that cleansing power and blood of Jesus Christ translates into life eternal. You shall also appear with him in glory. It requires a putting to death of things and a putting on of things. Too many times we want to put off. Then we need to put on. Verse 10 says, well, verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with what he does, with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Christ came to give a dead man life. The songwriter, when he wrote the song, Mary, Did You Know, had some interesting statements in there. And looking at it from Mary's perspective, said, Mary, did you know that this child of yours came to make you new? 
Do we know that this morning, that this child that was born in Bethlehem, that lived life, that died, and that rose again, he came to make us new. And the question goes on, that this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Christ came to give a dead man life. Christ came to give those that are in darkness light. Matthew 4.16, it says this, The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. John 8.12, Jesus spake again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 12, 46, I am a light, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Second Corinthians 4, 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That God that brought light into being back at creation. Light that, the God that commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Through Christ Jesus. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people, a called out people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Ephesians 5 says, Ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. There's a change, not just in our mind and our heart, but there's a change in what we do and say and how we act. Christ came to bring us from bondage to freedom. John 8, a couple of verses on this one. John 8, 31 says this, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then, Ab then answer, they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? I'm going to stop there just a little bit. I am the son of Harold, the grandson of Herman. I wasn't in bondage to anybody. Now, I don't know Joe's parents and grandparents, so I can't say that about Joe. But that was their mindset. We're Abraham's descendants. We're children of Israel. We weren't in bondage to anybody. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So I'm not free because of my biological ancestry. 
And in case you think differently, you're not free because of your biological ancestry. We're free because of Jesus Christ and our acceptance of him. Verse 33 again, they answered him, We be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed. But ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. And then he continues on there. So we act like our father. We act like the one that controls our life. And Jesus came to free us from the bondage of sin and bring us into freedom through Jesus Christ. Someone said that Christ went to death at his weakest point in life. And there might be something to, have to be said about that because 2 Corinthians 13.4 says, For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Because, see, when I recognize that I can't do it, when I recognize that I am weak, Scripture has something to say about that. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So how does that work? I thought I was strong because I was strong. Scripture tells me I am, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Next verse says this, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because you see, Christ came to work on our behalf so that when I recognize I can't do it, his strength carries me through that. When I recognize I can't do it, that's when I am strongest because God is at work, because God can do his work. John 10, 15 says, The Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down. I have power to lay it down and have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my father. So was Jesus killed? 
or not? Yes, he was killed, but it was a willing death. It was a death of obedience. Because you see, Christ had an escape route. He laid down his life. He gave his life for you and I. He gave his life for those that physically crucified him. Philippians 2.8 says, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Matthew 26, verse 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You see, Christ came to this earth as a baby, knowing this was what was to happen in his life. Because at the fall of man, and I don't think it was just a, a remedy that God brought to being at that place. God knew about that. But in Genesis 3, he said, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Talking about Christ coming. Jesus knew what he was getting into when he came to this earth. And he was willing to give his life. He gave his life. No one took it from him. Matthew 26, 42 says this. He went away again the second time and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Verse 44, he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Verse 53, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? That was an escape route. But Christ willingly gave his life for you and I this morning. I was going, into, going a little bit to that giving up the ghost, but I won't go there this morning because, see, there's a difference in, the, in those words in relation to Jesus and when it was talking about Ananias and Sapphira, when they came in, they gave up the ghost. There's a different word used for that. The one means that there was a, a giving up. The other one means they expired. They died. Why did Christ come? And yes, we've gone into, he came to give a dead man life. He came to bring freedom for bondage. He came to bring light for darkness. I want to close with, or finish up with one last one. And that is, he came to do his Father's will. John 4.34 says, Jesus said unto them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish my work. And that was when he should have been hungry physically, and he wasn't. John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son 
and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We can be what we ought to be only by doing the will of the Father and by living a life of obedience to his word. Christ could be what he was to be only by doing the will of his Father. Christ died to free us from sin. Christ rose so that we can walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 4 says this, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ gave his life. Christ rose again so that we today can live new life. Abundant life, like we read earlier. We can walk in newness of life as we yield ourselves to his will, the will of the Father. Can we have a song, please? <clears throat> 